Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode of Nintendo Voice Chat is presented by Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. Hunting season is now open.
Jen's office in San Francisco. You're listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. For the week of February 12th, 2015, thank you very much for joining us once again. I am Jose Otero, and we have a special guest already on this program, the NBC debut of Daniel Krupa, IGN UK <laughs> yeah. editor. The Krupa Trooper. Shall I apologize in advance for my appearance? Why not? Hopefully no, it's good. Hopefully I'll bring insight. You'll be fine. I was expecting... Yeah. No, I was yeah, expecting okay. some Downton Abbey like theme to kick in <coughs> when you never, finished speaking. Never seen Downton what? Abbey. It's so good. Me either. That's good. I watched. I fell asleep during the first episode. Oh, you guys are terrible. Yeah, it's as far great. As far. It's right. Yeah, I heard it's it's really good if you can not if fall. Stay asleep. awake. If you can stay good. awake. It's a great if show. You there you go. Like the scene from Clockwork Orange. Wide awake with us, uh, El Brape. What's up? How are you, <laughs> Brian Altano? Thank you for having me on. Of course, every time, all the time, and also joining us once again, Per Schneider. It's good to be back in English this week, so I can finally understand everything you're saying. You were in English yeah. last week. I just wasn't here. Oh, that's right. It was there two we weeks ago. All right. So we have a couple of things to talk about. Uh, actually, this is going to be a little bit, little bit of a fly by the seat of our pants show. So it's a little different for me or a little weird. But we want to start with this is new Nintendo 3DS launch week. If you're in the UK and other territories, you're getting both versions. By now, you know that. Yay. In the US, <laughs> you're only getting one version, the XL. All versions don't come with plugs, though, so we all have Stup- something yeah. in common. Stupid question. Did this launch in the UK right now, too? Yes. Or? Yeah. Oh, 13, just 13. Same, same day. Same okay, day. cool. Yeah. All right. And once again, I think we should kick off with transfer stories because this has been kind of a thing a lot of people are asking us about. And I'm curious to hear uh, Krupa's experience with this. Yeah, not I, that the UK is that different, but no, I want to hear how you dealt with this. It's equally confusing for people in the UK. So I did mine. Um, I've had my new 3DS for about a week, but I didn't transfer it. And then I came to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I have no internet in my flat currently because I've just moved in. And I realized I can't do this because I was going to do the method using an SD card via a MacBook. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you still need the internet to do, um, what did you call it, a system transfer? Tra- system license transfer. Yeah. 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 It's a license transfer, yeah. To do that, and then it could read all the data that I transfer on the SD card. I know. Really? Yes. Um, I tried to do it tethering to my phone, which is not ideal. No. So I dashed into the office on Saturday morning wow. before I needed to be at Heathrow, and I had a time limit of two hours to get this done. Uh-oh. And I just did it. Wow. I just did it. Okay, wow. that's you. I nearly didn't get through security, that was nine, I just did it. nine hours shorter than it took me. So. so that's the whole transfer of the games. Yeah, yeah. So that's the additional time. Yes. Again, this is all confusing. Mm-hmm. And I'm on my desk in the London office, the London IGN office, with the instruction booklet, which I think is next to um, useless mm-hmm. for doing this. Oh, absolutely. Um, various yeah. browser tabs open up. Um, videos guiding me through it and I still wasn't really sure the best way to do this. Well, Did you was... notice that the, the instruction on how to open the back is in a different area than the yeah, transfer? You, and you know, it should be a J- like, you, even you look at right. it like, wait, how do you do this? And then you like rifle through some like pages of text yeah. and small print. You're like, oh, there it is. You got to poke the sides then you with flip the back. Yeah. yeah. And like there's that, there's that sort of like buzzing, murmuring fear in the back of your brain the entire time that if something goes awry, you have to call Nintendo customer support and be like, all of my games are gone. That's sort of the thing I I was kicking around in the back of my head was that the last few years there have been horror stories of people's 3DS is getting stolen and them just not being able to just click a button and everything was back to them. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend, else. when she did the last transfer, lost 130 hours of Animal Crossing time. Oh my God. <sighs> I'm pretty sure I know what she did wrong, but I'm never going to tell her. <laughs> she doesn't listen because to the talk I, 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 I want to make sure people don't people don't think like no, it's not. something goes wrong no. all the time. Like if the transfer process gets interrupted, the systems recover, right? Like yeah, what yeah. happens at the very end of the transfer, and this is just to kind of reiterate, the game licenses are in the name of the systems. Let's say your system's name is Daniel. Yeah. 
and your IGN, your your Nintendo ID is Daniel IGN, right? Like all the licenses are in Daniel, not in mm-hmm. his username, not his Nintendo ID. Mm-hmm. And so what has to happen is one 3DS with you know the Daniel ID has to talk to the new 3DS with Daniel 2 ID and tell it. I no longer use this li- these licenses. You now use these licenses. Well, and that happens at the very end. Well, and to add to the confusion, yeah. it, the question we keep getting, that we're actually looking into this right now uh, for you, dear listener, is that if you bought a system with something pre-installed on it mm-hmm. and you're transferring to it, what happens? Now, this is not a first-time thing. This has been happening with, like, the Animal Crossing 3DS, with the Fire Emblem 3DS, uh, the Link Between Worlds 3DS. I think you had to actually download the game. You, mm-hmm. It didn't come pre-installed that yeah, I can yeah, remember. I um, but I guess what I'm throwing out there for folks is that uh, as long as when you set up the new system that has the pre-installed game, you jump immediately into the transfer process and you don't, say, tie a Nintendo network ID to it. Yeah, don't create a new knowledge, one. Don't create yeah. a new one. Don't log yeah. in with your old one. Exactly. Um, and even if you tried to log in with your old one, you can't because it's still on your old one. Yeah. You didn't do the transfer process right. to do it, which is where this all gets so mind-bogglingly confusing. And for some folks, they'll say, well, no, you just follow the instructions. Even the instructions are confusing. And that's the thing that we're trying to put yeah. out to you is just to be careful. Yeah. Don't lose a yeah. thousand hours in Animal Crossing. Like, I'm worried that we're scaremongering. It's actually going via a laptop and transferring data is actually very safe because Super you've safe. got yeah. that data backed up on your computer, which maybe you should do anyway. Yeah, but there is that. I mean, I had the same thing happen to me where I lost. I lost a whole bunch of progress in my Animal Crossing game, like the last time around. And it wasn't like it's not like losing 130 hours in Tetris. It's like it's like losing Wait, a house. Wait, 130? In a flood. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. it's like everything you've been bu- you've been personally building. <laughs> you've been so, paying off this yeah. raccoon for for a year. <laughs> And now it's gone. So, so we created. Politics. You know, yeah. if you if, if you search IGN 3DS Wiki, there's a section where we describe the transfer process between all the different units, and there's a 3DS to new 3DS transfer, uh, and we outlined all the the three principal processes of transferring your data. One is you know using a PC to back up the data and then transfer it to a new memory card. Blah blah blah. There's one that is you know. Loading everything through the through the internet, which takes forever, and there's one where you only transfer the save game data and the licenses it goes very fast. But then you have to re-download the games, basically a la carte, one by one, yeah. right? But you still own them. So we posted that and promoted it on IGN, and like a lot of questions came in, very specific to will this move? Will I lose that? So I just want to address that. Like if you had a DSI game like Four Swords. During the transfer process, it asks you to. Uh, it actually addresses it and will save that game specifically through the S to the SD card. And yes, you can transfer it. You will not lose it. Your save game data, your uh, your kind of me, your like your meet meetup stuff. You know your street pass data will all transfer in the process. Yeah. The only issue can come in is if your old memory card is 32 gigs and your new one in the new 3DS is only four. Right, and you're trying to move all your games, they won't fit. Yeah. So yeah. in that case, you say, no, don't move my games. It'll still move the licenses so you can pick yeah. and choose what games to install, delete them, re-download, yeah. however you want. And it also pack up all of those saves as backup files, yep. which apparently they can then unpack once you get a better card and go through this again. Yep. I was, I was going to make a suggestion, too. Like If you're buying a new 3DS, go on Amazon or go to the go to whatever, whatever store you have and buy a 32-gig yeah. micro SD really card. Cheap. Oh, he has yeah, the one like set of 15, 20 bucks, and just just buy it, put it in there, and set it and forget it. And like because I, this is not a, a thing that you're going to want to do more than once 
yep. in, in this console's life. Get a big so, Especially the way, with the way this is designed yeah. as well. It's Even not just taking it off. Easy is, access. Yeah. yeah. Which is so I put a 32 gig in there. Um, I've heard there's ways to do 64. It was kind of cumbersome to, to work that around. So it's a formatting I, hack. You had so, to yeah, format it uh, on a PC. Yeah, I will yeah. say oh, I'm one yeah, of those yeah, guys yeah, that I've gone almost, I'm like 99% digital with my 3DS library. And I have tons of games there. And I've had no problem storing all of them on a 32 gig. So that's the puzzling part. It feels like this was designed around like folks who aren't really relying a lot on digital, like with the size of the card that's in the system yep, yep, and yeah. with the process that's involved, it just, it feels a bit strange. Which, yeah, which, which I find interesting because, I mean, every, I feel like every time Nintendo talks about sales or they talk about their game sales, more and more part of the conversation is talking about how strong their digital sales are. Mm-hmm. So to sort of undermine that with uh, a four gigabyte card doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. to me. And I know you do have the ability of downloading a game and then playing it and beating it and deleting it and, like, moving things around the fridge, as they used to yeah. call it. I personally don't like doing that. Like, especially if I'm, like, I'm about to go on a flight and yeah. I want a bunch of games Absolutely. there. I don't want to spend the time in between booking my cab and packing my bag to download Fire Emblem over again. Well, the other thing, you know, like as we transition from a, from the physical area, era to the digital one is that we were proud of our game collections, right? Yeah. I mean, when you have a lot of games, maybe you're running out of room, you're going to put some in boxes, but usually you love seeing that you have all these games mm-hmm. and you like kind of spotting them, remembering them, and even like enticing them to play them again. Yeah. Whereas in digital, like... you. You know, there's nothing on 3DS that says this is what you own. Here's your virtual bookshelf, and oh, if you want to play this game, you need to redownload it. It's like it's just not there, it's right? Not you have there. to go yeah, into the eShop yeah. to look at it. And, yeah, that's something and that you kind of see in iBooks, where you can have. Uh, if you've ever used iBooks on like iOS, you yeah. can download books, but if you don't have them download to that particular device, it just shows that you still own it. And in the some Kindle way. too, right? Yeah, like your and books that's the thing. That. Yeah, but so, um, I will say that you do sort of. I think you still get that same satisfaction in terms of like my home screen. I just have all the games like listed out. I don't organize by folder. I kind of like having this patchwork quilt of icons to stare at. Just but this, about but that. Yeah. All, those are all your installed games. Yeah, you may own more than yeah, not. You may displayed. have more, and none of them are represented there. Uh, but I will say this: there is light at the end of the tunnel for this transfer process. Uh, not to not to kind of sway us or change this conversation too much if you are transferring from a new 3ds yeah so i i did a transfer from a new 3ds excel to the majora's mass 3ds excel which is mm-hmm. right now on this table the transfer process was 15 minutes it still required the uncomfortable unscrew the back take this micro sd card out at the end of the process and put it in the other system but it felt significantly faster than any other transfer that i've done before well, i'm saying roughly 15 that's a yeah. light at the end of a very long Your tunnel. tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, very, you, I, I, very few people are going, oh man, I bought a new 3DS a week ago, but I okay, want to get the no, next one a week later. That is fair. So they're they're able, to, yeah. But, but they, can, they are actually, there were some people who are using a micro SD card in an SD card adapter in yeah. their current okay, 3DS, yeah. and that yeah. transfer is actually fast too. Okay. Because yeah. you take it out, you just basically, you don't have to transfer all the, the data, only the yeah. licenses over. Yeah, you just and, plug and it I in. do want to say, yeah, it is, it is sort of my tunnel, but there is the trap of another, like, limited system came out and sure. someone does that and there totally. are plenty of folks totally. in this office who have done that so um, uh, that's not to oversell that but I will say that thank god the second yeah, time and, it's and also, easier because heck no I don't want to go through that again 100% mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and again to like kind of focus on the positive a little more once you get through <laughs> that insane bank heist that is moving from one thing to another <laughs> with like a train and a, a helicopter on fire 
the system's awesome, and I love having all my games on that on that thing. And it's it's so it's like it's so it's it's so quick and and so smooth, like kind of moving and navigating around the menus, jumping into it's Smash the only Brothers. Part like process it. doesn't feel new. Yeah, and, and everything else does. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody who's listening who's scared. I mean, I've done transfers so many times. I I buy every basically new system. I've never lost any data. Yeah. It does walk you through the process, so it's not that confusing, right? There's always that fear that you're going to lose something. Even like with with the pre-installed games. Like I, you know, we're gonna test this, make sure there there are no hangups. But if it works like it's always worked in the past, you can even take the SD card out of the system with the Monster Hunter um, one, put a new one in, and the system still knows that you own that game because it's the system ID that's registered in the eShop. Mm-hmm. That's and right. so, unless you create a Nintendo ID uh, on that system to start with and, and muck things up, it should be really smooth. It'll just you'll just have to re-download it. Yeah, but this is definitely something that I hope if they're listening or aware or watching feedback around this entire like cr- bizarre process um, it needs to get better oh, especially sure. if you're trying to sell digital like this needs to and be a better you talked about recently this idea of a consolidated system mm-hmm. account has yeah. to happen yeah. there's yeah. no i mean like microsoft's doing it between windows and xbox yeah. right like it's it's crazy well, that it sony's doing it right now too happen, between yeah. vita ps3 and ps4 mm-hmm. where there is one id that everything is tied to and you just I, I thought their method was really smart, actually, to give them some credit because there's just a limit on the number of devices, and I think yeah. that makes a lot more. That does make sense if that's what Nintendo's worried about. That you know, folks will be signing in with Pairs ID, and there'll be five yeah. systems with Pairs ID, and therefore they lost sales on five games. And, yeah. And the most successful systems and, and uh, you know, digital download universes out there figured this out, out early, right? iTunes, I can license a new laptop. I don't have to re-download every album on every device I own. The same with Kindles, right? If your household has five Kindles, you can transfer the data to all of these, mm-hmm. right? There are limitations in place, and Microsoft tried to do that too, where yeah. you can play a game on any device in your household with a PlayStation, but only one at a time. And so mm-hmm. that's what I'm expecting from Nintendo in the future, to make it really, really seamless between different devices as well. Yeah, and pay attention to their mistakes so that you don't go making your own. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a really It'll, good point. It's a, it's a win. It's not an if. They have to do yeah. it because it is yeah. so freaking broken. Cool. Yeah. All right. So then let's move forward to talk about Monster Hunter. And Daniel, I'm really curious to hear <laughs> uh, your experience on this because I saw you wrote, uh, you wrote yeah. a piece for, for yeah. IGN talking about why it's okay. I think the angle was why it's okay you're starting now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the piece is called Why It's Okay If You've Never Played Monster Hunter yes. Before. Because okay. I've never played Monster Hunter before. And it's really easy because in the UK, we get a lot, offered a lot of the same opportunities you get. Mm-hmm. And I'm like one person, so I turn down a lot of stuff. Especially when we have someone on the staff who knows Monster Hunter really well. And you yeah. write a better preview for the people who really like Monster Hunter. And it was really easy for me to say no to this opportunity. But I thought, hey, I kind of, I really like monsters. I really like monster design. I really like horror movies. This seems like a game that I really get into. Yeah, my my uh, my ears are very perked up to all this because I'm, <laughs> I'm in the same exact position. So I was like, I'm a first time like serious player. Okay, good. Oh, cool. I, okay. I just tried it on Wii back in the days and I just I thought I was myself here. And I was gonna no. get. Okay, good. So I went, like, hey, let's go along. I played it about ten hours before I interviewed um, the longtime series producer Sujimoto. Yes, yes. And um, the current creative director. And I literally, it's not the most kind of insightful piece in terms of if you've played Monster Hunter for a long time, but it's just like, this is what it's like to get into this game. Yeah. And I think, I feel sorry for Monster Hunter sometimes, because I feel, I think Try was the one that everyone thought it was going to reach the Western audience. And I think it's always, every time a Monster Hunter game comes out, it's kind of forced into this narrative where it's like, it's huge cult success in Japan. But even prefacing its release like that dooms it to being 
a cult. Yeah. yeah. I just think it turns people off. Like, it's a weird thing to say before a game comes out. No, yeah. no, and I feel like we, we do fall into that trap of, is this going to be the one? We did it with Freedom yeah. Unite. We did it with Try. We did it again with 3 Ultimate. And we're to some degree, the question is still hanging in the air with 4 Ultimate. Is this the one that finally hits with this audience? Because what has made it such a difficult game for new players is that it it takes a village to really raise a good hunter and monster hunter. Like You need other yeah. people to kind of shepherd you through some of that game's weird choices when it's starting out yeah. but the thrill of like downing that monster is so yeah. good and that's the biggest thing I wrote about is is game that wants you to learn a lot yeah mm-hmm. and he wants it's not called monster killer it's called monster hunter mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you have to pick up and if you're on your own it's quite confusing yeah, wow. yeah. Um, there's like menus are quite dense tutorial yeah. system's not very good there's lots yeah, of yeah. stuff that is just put in your oh, you have to see like, I have years no ago. idea what I'm doing that, I'm cooking yeah. a steak yeah, through yeah. a mini game ooh um, there's steak cooking in there <laughs> I've yeah. got a wet Jose stone. loves I'm getting steaks from yeah. this yeah when you get it right like you hear a voice that's like hmm tasty oh so that's like your steak dinner bets that's awesome when you get it right you get a steak I guess but yeah that was what turned me off with a Wii version like you know, we we all, we often complain about games that are that hold your hands too much. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah. you know, Twilight Princess is like the farm scenes just kind of get old after a while, right? Even though like learning how to flip the goat or whatever that thing was was super important to the ending of the game, it felt needless. Spoilers! Like, I already <laughs> I already know how to climb a fence or cut a sign or pick yeah. a rupee and you know all that stuff. And so then you play Monster Hunter and you're like, all right, go ahead, right? Yeah. Like that's your tutorial. And like yeah. when you actually read all the things, it's just so overwhelming see but I, but I, I appreciate that and you and I have had these conversations <clears throat> a little bit too about and not to go too far off topic with this but about like in Destiny where there's a lack of telling you the amount of progress that's been made on a bridge or something in a raid like there's they intentionally hold back details mm-hmm. because they want you to kind of rely on teamwork I think it's intentional. Really? I absolutely think it's intentional. No, because you rely on that teamwork and that feeling of the satisfaction that comes with execution. I feel like there is an incredibly satisfying feeling, going back to Monster Hunter, when you with a team know when you should be attacking, when you shouldn't be attacking. Like, the monster has obvious tells. What kind of, like, have you been departing on this a little? Like, I, I got your Street Pass card, so yeah. you're playing this game. Yeah. What's this been like? Like, I how many who have you killed? Hold. I'm waiting for um, there to be a big online community. Okay. Mm-hmm. So All I can right. play with, because I think that's part of the core mantra. It is. when I spoke to the creative team, you've got to realize, if a game is insanely popular in the East, it's got a huge fan basis. Mm-hmm. You want to build a game to cater for those players who are really familiar with your mechanics, your systems, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But then how do you make that game also appeal to a wider audience? Yep. And I ask them this question. It's like, how do you keep the people who know everything about your game yep. that have put in hundreds and hundreds of hours, how do you challenge them but also make it friendly for you and me? Yeah. It's really tricky. And they mm. said they don't factor that in. They just want to make a, a good action game because they think people can get into a good action game whether yeah. they're acquainted with the systems or not. And the other one is online play. They want their kind of seasoned, battle-hardened, hunters to raise the next generation just like hunting is done in cave times yeah, it, I will teach you my hunting skills because yeah, yeah. I know yeah. the best way to how do you teach me jaggy. though how will I learn can you talk to me can you give me instructions or? when there's the challenge yeah. yeah it becomes you're either typing messages through chat which if you've used a 3DS for Animal Crossing you know that that's not the smoothest way it's to do anything it's, it's not good in battle it's not it's not in between yeah. 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 yeah no it is an easy <laughs> you'll um, get mold. for sure uh, so it is, it is literally <laughs> like caveman times yeah like, but it's like you're hunting yeah. a lion you start texting 
it yeah, will kill you. All right. Yeah, but you also have um, – yeah, no, this is true. But you also have uh, – if there's one thing I've noticed about the Monster Hunter community, though, is if you do find a group of experienced hunters, they are very willing this, to help you I think you that's part of it. They're not like all of it. <laughs> holding us back. Yeah, I think they no. realize that it's part of it, and they yeah. want to keep their community young yeah. as well. Absolutely. Like, to cool. them, growing that community matters a lot. Like, I've played with folks who have put crazy amounts of hours into 3 Ultimate, and – uh, they're always like, hey, come join us. Hey, come join us. No, we'll show you this part. We'll get you through. Like, Because there are some bosses, when you get to them, the game's way of communicating it's time to upgrade your equipment is when you run up to a boss like you do every time, you swing your weapon, and it ricochets off. You just see an animation of like that Bing. arm coming down. Bing, it comes right back. And you're like, run. Okay. Nope. <laughs> yeah. This is a problem yeah. right now. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, then you know, okay, it's time to upgrade equipment. It's time to... You know, hunt other monsters, get the carves that you get from that, build better swords, build better armor, resistances, like find your RPG resistances for fire, for ice, for thunder, for whatever. But um, everyone who I've ever teamed up with to play this game, I, I've so far been able to successfully get on board. So yeah. if you guys have some time, I'd love if you all did. I'm a big fan. We should do it. it. I ordered the Monster Hunter 3DS, so I'm all in. And should we yeah. say that it's online now on the 3DS version? It is. It? Which it wasn't with the previous uh, one? So with the it's previous local. one, the Wii U version was online. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a fun story. If you wanted to get the portable version online, you had to use a Unscrew utility. The back. No, you had to use a utility <laughs> on your Wii U that would allow that would basically talk to your 3ds and give you an online access to it. Oh, so you kind of like tethering weird, to your why? Yeah, so if you didn't buy three <laughs> just, ultimate, just, just why? Yeah. Just <laughs> if you didn't buy three ultimate, <laughs> just this was why? your this was your pipeline to the rest of the world. Why is that thing? Well, life is so difficult. That well, why things? Why can't things like this just work? Yeah. Well, like I, my 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 my. my Commuter card stopped working this morning, and I had to go to the wrong train station. And then they were like, "Call somebody." And then they were like, "Your bank account, your thing expires in a month, so you have to switch your card." Yeah. Why can't I just play? Why don't video games just work? Life is so difficult. Forget it. I'm just not. I could. I could forget it. <laughs> We've lost Brian. Um, no, but I will say, uh, San Francisco is stressful. It really it, is. Oh, it is. It really is. And you get home and you want to play a video game, and you can't without giving it a drop of your blood. <laughs> When we don't have that peripheral, damn it. Oh. Yeah. Oh man, that's the opposite of the. Uh, yeah, but you get faceplates. So I'll treat you. <laughs> yeah, you with your fancy faceplates. That's it. Um, hey, by the way, Nintendo what? Europe tweeted out this like exciting tweet saying like, "Woo, look at the beautiful colored buttons! Only oh, a couple of days left." I mean, you, you bastards! Like, <laughs> rubbing it in. That's a really, it's, it's really interesting. To watch their the the joy and optimism in their tweets versus the responses they're getting in their tweets. Like somebody else, somebody the other day was just like, "You can use your Shulk amiibo in," and everyone was like, "I can't buy that anywhere. <laughs> Why don't you sell it in more places?" It truly is the promised land. Yeah, exactly. clearly. Oh yeah, that's right. You guys. Well, we'll let, let's let's uh, but, take but a like, quick break. Actually, wait. wait I'll let you the, finish. No, then but we're the 3DS commercials. Yeah. N- none of that I have seen mentioned the special edition Majora's Mask 3DS. I haven't seen on television. Yeah, on TV in the U.S. The commercials in the U.S. It's like it doesn't exist because um, like I. So that would be adding insult to injury. Is like get the latest Majora's 3DS. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't. You can't. We'll I haven't it. seen it in the wild anywhere. So right. It doesn't have the game on it for pre-order. No, no, you guys get it with the game on it. So actually, oh, awkward. 
awkward. <laughs> you mm-hmm. guys get the face plates, you get the the the, the fancy pants system yeah, with the game installed. I got snazzy a year later, so you got, I don't know how much is one? How, what do you pay for one though? Like remember, it always oh, comes I'm with that sure. price tag, yeah. the UK yeah. price well, tag. Well, there's no because yeah, Nintendo doesn't set prices in the UK. Yeah. So well, let, let's hold that thought. Actually, I want to dive deeper into that discussion, but we're going to take a quick break first. When we come back, let's talk about Nintendo's presence in the UK and what that means. Jose Otero here with Brian Altano, What's up? Per Schneider, hey. and special guest Daniel Krupa hey. from IGN UK. So, Daniel, I especially love the fact that you joined us this week because if there's one thing I feel that our podcast is very guilty of is always the American perspective yeah. and never really a lot of insight on what's going on it's in the UK. So Nintendo's presence. You are. You're He's, native. He hasn't even checked the German papers anymore. So I'm he Italian. Shouldn't even. Does that count for anything? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm off Ukrainian. Sp- so. Oh, no kidding. But I'm really curious to hear sort of uh, Nintendo's presence in the UK and sort of you know where their successes are, where their failures are. Like I, I just feel like I don't know, and I, 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 they constantly throw cool things to you guys. Yeah. I think Nintendo's in one Europe. of the few companies where we can still talk about the big differences between the US and the UK. I think the other ones are more global and similar. And but the thing is, I don't know. I think I know this is NBC, but I don't think I can talk about Nintendo without talking about PlayStation in the UK because. Mm-hmm. So I grew up as a Nintendo kid, as lots of people of my generation did. As my cousin, who's five years older than me, who really got me into video games, he was a Nintendo guy, huge Nintendo fan. Um, we used to have matching Nintendo, like Mario Brothers, like T-shirts and shorts as kids. Aww. We have pictures of us yeah. sat at dinner wearing that stuff. And that's not that sad. I wore a uh, Super Mario Brothers three like sweat sweatshirt <laughs> and sweatpants to Picture Day in third grade. <laughs> I'm sure it's I've got a Nintendo same down the leg. <laughs> I, so I got to take that picture up because that man. Where are your wounds from getting beaten up? Right? Yeah. It's, I'm like a, I'm a, I'm married now. It's wow. amazing. I They're should just be hiding invisible. somewhere. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> sure. that was a big part of my childhood. But then at a certain age, he got a PlayStation, mm-hmm. and PlayStation was extraordinarily successful in the UK. And I think the thing I always talk about is in 2003. Do you know Dizzy Rascal? Yeah, of course. So he won a very prestigious uh, music award in the UK called the Mercury Music Award. Yeah. And when in his acceptance speech, he says, "We are the PlayStation generation," and he used that more as a kind of cultural signifier for what had happened in the UK. And recently in the UK, PlayStation celebrated its 20th anniversary, mm-hmm. and. Sony Europe did an amazing job of doing a campaign showing how important PlayStation was yeah, yeah. for people growing up in the UK. Like it was just as mm. important as like Britpop and Spice Girls and Euro '96 and all this sort of stuff. And I feel that kind of supplanted Nintendo in a lot of people's hearts in the UK. Like I always had a Nintendo system. Still, the best games I remember are playing Nintendo games. Those are probably my fondest memories. Mm. But I got his PlayStation when he was done with it. And I think a lot of people had that experience. But that means a lot of people from my generation still have a lot of nostalgia towards Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And nostalgia in that kind of etymological sense, you know, it's the pain from an old wound. Mm-hmm. So recently I've seen a lot of people being tempted by Wii U. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is obviously factoring the fact that it's cognitive bias of the people who I follow on social media mm-hmm. of like same age, same interests. Yep. But a lot of people in the last six months to a year have picked up Wii U's. Mm-hmm. So I feel... 
I don't think, I still think that it has a pull on like British hearts and minds, mm-hmm. um, to use war terminology for some yeah. reason. But um, PlayStation is so dominant and really, I think, kind of pulled a lot of people away from Nintendo Wars. I didn't think that happened as much in the US. There was, mm-hmm. I think there, it happened here it a little actually, bit too. It happened here yeah. oddly in a, in a sort of similar way where the people outside of the the inner circle there were gamers, like parents and uncles and aunts and grandparents. They they had this general term for all video game systems growing up, and it was Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, it was like, yeah. oh, my son's playing the Nintendo, or he's uh, he's sitting in front of the TV on the Nintendo. Or go play your Nintendo. So I go play your Nintendo. Had that as much because we had a more diversity of systems. I I was huge. My first ever computer was an Amiga. Yeah, yeah. I was Amiga, I was, Commodore. Were that, big that, was, that's a common story in the UK. Obsessed. Yeah. 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 I used to have yeah. huge boxes and. That is like my first memory of video games is Amiga 500. We yeah. had we had that diversity, but it, the dominance Nintendo had was yeah. just like night and day. I, and then when and the same thing sort of happened when the PlayStation came out. That 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 terminology changed for the people on the outside, and they, they started saying PlayStation. Okay. You know, like he's playing his PlayStation. But uh, the, you know, Sony did a very smart thing a few years ago, which was it. We all sat there and we said for years Nintendo is winning because, or they get it because there's that nostalgia that they can pull from. And Sony one day woke up and said, "We have that too." Yeah, because you it know? was always for many years. It was console, uh, you know, gaming brand without heritage. Yeah, and suddenly hits twenty. We have a lot of heritage that we can draw upon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, the 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 startup sound of a of a PlayStation <laughs> One or two, like it suddenly became ingrained in people the same way mm-hmm. the Super Mario Brothers theme song on the NES was for me. I mean, we hire people at IGN now, and they go, you know, I love blah, blah, you know, I love the new games like GTA Five, but I also love the classics like God of War. <laughs> yeah, like, wow, that's when I leave the room. I'm old. <laughs> I'm very old, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's amazing, and I mean, think they, they're not they're not wrong. You know, yeah. they grew up with what was what they believe was their old. School and what what is awesome to them and well, that's why Arena to Shinde. yeah <laughs> totally no I, I remember the blood yeah um and I think uh, just to kind of add at least like some anecdotal evidence to this I feel like part of that did happen here I know it did happen to me yeah. I know that uh, the N sixty four era was the first era that you saw Nintendo kind of take some licks because of certain decisions they had made and I found myself playing a lot more PlayStation games and a lot more like sort of new IPs or ideas then um, but. You drop Ocarina of Time. I'm back. Like yeah, we're, yeah. we're back yeah. together. It's again. always about you know the software always pulls you back. It I, did. I wonder Every time. in Europe too. I mean, it's especially in the UK. Like PlayStation in Europe was a UK run company and yes. really vocal yeah. and clever. Did things differently even from the US. Where I feel like Nintendo's identity was headquartered in Germany or May still still, is, still, still is, there, yeah, right? Like times, it's yeah. that that identity doesn't easily translate to the UK, right? Like yeah, Europe, f- European countries are so different. You can't have this one approach one fits all. size fits all, yeah. yeah. And I think so, that's where Sony succeed because they adopt and assimilate to the culture in which they're in. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think we just still get the same stuff as the other countries in Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is region specific. Do you get like German, like uh, Nintendo, <laughs> like, it will tell you the time? Yeah, <laughs> and that's what appeals to us. <laughs> I can do this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's so odd to me, like you're kn- knowing the differences between the countries in Europe, having yeah, grown yeah. up there, to have a you know, a German HQ Nintendo. Where, by the way, in that market, Nintendo is not number Yeah, I one. don't think, I just reckon my brains, I can't think of anything that tries to lean or draw upon mm-hmm. British culture, in specific, yep. especially to lend Nintendo a more British flavor. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't, they, they barely do it here, at, at yeah. least within their games, you yeah. know. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's this sort of kind of like, 
agnostic holidays that happen in Animal Crossing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But other than that, nothing really. Like, I mean, yeah. maybe on their Twitter feed every now and then they'll be like, hey, it's 4th of July, so here's the picture of the, the fireworks from the end of a Mario Brothers level. But, yeah, but for us, it's, it, I guess, because we grew up as part of, uh, like, so devoted to that culture. I mean, the NES was such a big success here. The Super Nintendo was such a big success here. I feel like anytime they do whip out Mario, it, it's almost... It's almost as, as common and as American to me as Mickey Mouse to oh, yeah, some degree. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't see a Japanese character in front of me or a Japanese company. I see something I is very near and dear because of that. But yeah. it, you know, we, I know you talk a lot about Amiibo on this podcast, but is that what, what Amiibo is going to do for the next generation? Mm. It's going to see this idea of, you know, childhood being associated with Nintendo, that character being a part of being a kid. Mm, and, you know, yeah. they're making new TV shows. That's another way that Nintendo becomes more than just a game thing. It becomes mm-hmm. a, a zeitgeist thing. It becomes, you know, sitting at a table with your cousin dr- wearing Mario pajamas. Yeah, which is, <laughs> I mean, of course, which, which is really fascinating to me. Like, I'll, you know, I'll be in a, like, a clothing store nowadays, and you'll see, you'll walk by, and you'll see a section where there's, like, there's clothes for people our age. So there was just, like, those kind of retro throwback kind of, like, acid wash yeah. power up shirts mm-hmm. and stuff like that but then you'll see a kid wearing a Mario shirt and it's like this This has almost never changed and you know NVC in 15 years is going to be hosted by people that started with Amiibo and they started with the Zelda TV show and all that kind of stuff and that's, that's I love that I love that idea of this sort of eternal group of characters that just keeps coming back to people. Yeah, I will say, you know, there was one of the big differences between Japan and, and the West with regards to Nintendo was the merchandising. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about that before here. Like in Japan, you can get anything and yeah. everything from earrings to like keychain game and watches, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, whereas in the US, it was always kind of like Nintendo let the pixel art fad happen. You know, it, like it happened without Nintendo, even though it is so rooted in the 8-bit NES days, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. so now you're getting it more where that kind of like the simple graphics are celebra- celebrated by Nintendo, you know? The, it's no longer about having a full cover of a Zelda game with Legend of Zelda text. You can have a t-shirt that just has the Triforce yeah. and it becomes an emblem that people want to wear, right? And you get, now, that kind like, of, you get that nod from people who are like, yeah, I know that. It's yeah. the club of, yeah. you know, I know what that is. Like even some, like the Obviously, the one-up mushroom is so iconic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to explain it anymore what it but, is. You know, obviously, to to thrive and kick on, it's not about being part of a club that recognizes what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Nintendo and um, Netflix joining forces means that it's not a club. Right. Everyone will know what yeah. that tries. Actually, I'm glad is. you brought that up because I wanted us to jump into that. I have podcasted before. Yes, clearly. Uh, so, news broke on Friday that uh, this was coming from the Wall Street Journal that Netflix is working on a live-action Legend of Zelda television show. Very early. No, this isn't like a casting call or something, you know, super specific. But it sounds like Kyoto and NCL specifically are interested, and there were discussions. And so a lot of, like, this was completely out of left field, but (laughs) to a degree it does fit with something that I feel Iwata talked about at some point last year where they were talking about looking at their brands and how they can best get the most potential out of those brands, like, in ways that don't compete with the games that they make. so it this is why it made some, it, but this is why like the move kind of made sense to me, and I'm not completely against this Netflix show idea. I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think, but you know, 30 year old IP, very iconic, one of the highest Metacritic averages. In some ways, like the the series in video games is still Zelda to a degree. The mm-hmm. expectations are always high. The production is always in, like for the most part incredible. Yeah. Does that translate to TV? I'm not sure, but I'm willing to watch someone try. I don't know if it translates to TV, but I know it translates to Netflix. And I know that Netflix, I I would be worried if it was just like, 
you know, the CW is making it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, oh, God, I got to get out of here. You know, like, I'd be worried about that. And I know that they, they have their share of quality content. But on Netflix, in the last few years, there's been House of Cards. There's been Orange is the New Black. There's uh, The Fall, which is an there's amazing Marco Polo, show. Yeah. yeah. Marco Polo. Like, they're, they are at HBO level quality when it mm. comes to their standards of, of programming. And I do love that that sort of model of, like, dropping everything on one day. It's, it's a really fascinating thing. Like... And I think it's it's in absolutely capable hands. I don't know what kind of angle they'll take on this. I'm more, I mean, I, my brain starts working at the working at the logistics of like you have a protagonist that doesn't talk who stars on a show. Yeah. Like, yeah, but they'll toss work? that out right at the beginning, to, right? I, I mean, I was really surprised to hear that it's live action. Like, I I knew this was going to happen. Like, yeah. I think I talked about this before. I have a little bit of an inside track where you know, obviously, iGen was owned by Fox back yeah. in the days, and like Fox was really interested, and the Peter Churning Group were really interested in bringing video games to the big screen. So they called us all the time and would ask, like, what about that Bioshock game? Do you think people will go see that? And Zelda came up all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Where the, the, you know, the guys we talked to said, we reached out to Nintendo so many times. They are burnt by Mario Brothers. They were burnt by the Mario Brothers movie. And they're super protective of both the Mario and Zelda and and, and the Metroid franchises to the point where they just don't, like, you just don't get them to come back to the table. Even after walking in there with a high-profile director, as has happened with John Woo and Metroid, by the way, right, in the past. And, like, it all fell apart. So to see it finally happen is, is really cool. But, I mean, you saw, like, the CDI Zeldas happened. And I'm sure, like, no license was ever accepted again for the Zelda brand and then Hyrule Warriors happened with a Japanese company which was kind of a surprise different style game completely it wasn't trying to be Zelda 2 which one uh, one of those games totally looked like it and of course there has been animated stuff on television as well that's what I was expecting I was expecting Zelda to be animated because first of all you know it's not going to be as expensive as Game of Thrones right Mm -hmm. and even Game of Thrones struggles with what happens in the books like they're huge battles in the books and then in in the show you sometimes you know it's a much smaller kind of setting and they cut out a lot of that stuff and so my only issue with Zelda is that it has to be more of a character driven show because they're not going to be able to roll out Dodongos and Lizalfos and all these kind of creatures every week right for me it's the strange thing I can imagine how that could be a trilogy of movies because you strip out the names and Zelda is Star Wars it's Harry Potter it's the youth leaving the Rings, becoming evil acquiring magic all this sort of stuff But then translate it as a TV series, and mm-hmm. you have to keep that going, series to series. The beats are very different, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of intrigued about how they accommodate that. But I think everyone who listens to this has a very specific idea of what Zelda is, what it means to them. Yeah. And you have to immediately let that go. Because yeah. for it to be really good, they're going to have to adapt it. it All the best things are adapted heavily. Like, I think of the course. Marvel movies... You know, comic books fans are, you know, used to, like, what, 75 years of continuity with Batman? Yep. Let that go. Let them condense things, consolidate things, reimagine it, yeah. make it there's also, in a different period and different time. There's also um, the expectations of the way the way we interact with Zelda games. Like, there won't be an episode where there's an hour of Link chopping down bushes. And you're just, just sitting there watching it. Like, that's what you feel. That's the first that's season. Yeah. Bush. But I really do hope they, they do a sort of uh, Silent Bob type of thing where he is quiet for the first two episodes and then he's just like, ah, huh, and then one day he's just like, 
Yeah, I've got to find a fire temple. And everyone's like, oh my god, he talked for the first time. <laughs> that would be really cool. I hope they do something like that. I mean, at its worst, it could be a quest a week show like a Hercules quest or Xena or any of those shows. Remember those? I mean, yeah. Yeah. they had creatures. Obviously, the effects were really bad like, yeah. by today's standards. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> but, but it could be, you know, it could be more kid-oriented where they're not going to tell this complex kind of evolving storyline with time travel. Yeah. It'll be more simple. But it is more an adventure than it is Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is very uh, strategic. It's all about who is going to get, to some degree, screwed over. It's like Survivor, but it's set in, mm-hmm. in, in fantasy times where it's like, who's going to get killed this week on the show? I don't know. Um, and I don't know if... Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that's adapted, but when I when that was the one thing that stood out to me in the pitch is like this is bizarre, man. Like yeah. I don't what's know. The, like what's they, the audience? They once for upon this? a yeah. time, right? Like oh, all yeah. the kind of the resurgence of all these kind of fairy tale what, stories that, the are wood? Being, that are being told in yeah. theaters, but also on television with Once yeah. Upon a Time those shows. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I think Netflix saw. They're like, you've got these established characters, lots, this entire universe. I mean, just think about all the Zelda games and all the characters that have appeared. Yeah. So I think that will be their approach. So what if we take, like, here's my pitch, okay? So first oh. season is, they do the epic. Mm-hmm, it's 12 mm-hmm. episodes, and they split it up to four episodes per section, and they do Ocarina of Time. Second series, they reboot True Detective style. You have a different link, <laughs> and they yeah. draw his mask. And they keep doing I that. Knew, yeah. I knew you were going to bring the timeline into this. Yeah, I was going to say, I it doesn't it. work. For, like, will that, because they are targeting kids, for sure, yeah. with the show. Will that work with kids? I guess Doctor Who does work with yeah. kids, yeah. and you have a changing main Well, actor. I mean, what I kind of don't want to see them tackle something that happened in a game. Like, I kind of want it to be its own thing, because I think once it becomes... Uh, sort of wrapped up in that, it gets wrapped up in the problems of delivering that kind of narrative suppose, where you I'm talk like, to the people and you who, have more defined yeah, ideas. Yeah, people who watch the Harry Potter movies versus not read the yet. books, like they, they're always like, oh, this was so much better or so much different in the in the other medium, and it should be. And it's an ad- adaptation. I don't. Know. Wind Waker would be very very expensive. <laughs> a lot of water. Ignoring the talking boat, you got to have a lot of water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I'm really selling. cheap. You do it all on blue screen. <laughs> <laughs> with a little plastic with foil. With a plastic yeah. boat, and you just put a fan behind him, <laughs> and his hat flips. Um, yeah, I, I would hope that... I, like, the thing is, the, Zel- the Zelda story is almost always the same in every mm-hmm. game, and that's kind of why we love it. But my, my sort of fear or question goes into, yeah, this, this is probably something they want to lean towards, like, young adults or children, maybe. But, I mean... Link is inherently a kind of violent guy. Like he's got a he's got a sword. His main weapon is a sword. And when yeah. it's not, it's an arrow or a ball and a spike chain or yeah. something like that. Like what does it look like when he stabs an octorock? What does an octorock look like? Is it terrifying? terrifying. Do you want it to die they the moment get, you see it? Because it get looks real obvious. I think don't underestimate how much children like be, to be scared. Yeah. Like Doctor Who is incredibly popular and people fondly remember Doctor Who from be, watching it from behind their sofa. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like some of my favorite things is kids were terrified oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Sut- but, but, fantasy is expensive to do like yeah. that's my that's my big worry you know like sci-fi with having a close set that's the same every week like a starship that flies out there you still have the shit the set that you reuse right but you just with said. no a set okay. <laughs> <laughs> but with a fantasy show you need to have like you need to go to like the Czech Republic or New Zealand or somewhere yeah. to have this varied landscape yeah you can't shoot six episodes in clock town yeah. and call a day where he's just shooting the balloons down or whatever with a, <laughs> a slingshot. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, like, which 
which link is it? Does he time travel at some point? I have a lot of questions about all yeah, this. Yeah, we, we really, all do. But, uh, but I, I'm at least very uh, glad that this is a more positive conversation around it because I'm not. I, I think it's really easy to go with the knee jerk reaction of I don't want to yeah. see this. I think that if it's an absolute failure, if there's one thing I learned from getting worked up about Hyrule Warriors and then watching it roll out and it wasn't really that bad, yeah. was give it a shot. What, yeah, what, what's the worst that can happen here? Every Zelda game still exists. Yeah, the, yeah. thank you for saying that, by yeah. the way. Because I, I, I saw some Did people... Did you forget? No, I mean, it's well, just... Of course not. But there's a, there's a lot of people in the IGN office, and obviously everybody had an opinion the second the Zelda news story broke, and a bunch of them were, a, a, like, really negative right out the gate. And I was obviously the opposite. I actually did a news video for IGN where I was basically a very excited child. <laughs> wow. um, but I, I think, like, be optimistic about yeah. this, you know? Like, I mean, this is this is, this is is incapable hands... Like I said, Netflix has a great track record, and this is actually a better – it's better news than when uh, the Sony hack happened, and we heard about that rumored sort of CG Mario animated film that Sony was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that <clears throat> fell through, and I don't know how I felt about that, but this, I yeah. think, is this – is, this is a, a better example of worlds colliding. So I do want to talk about one more thing in relation to sort of this idea of trying their IP in other areas and places that they're not experts in or in places that they've never tried before – uh, so I was at Disneyland last weekend, okay. um, and mm-hmm. the first thing that jumped into my mind after I got off the first roller coaster, which I think was like California Screaming or something, was like it just entered into my head that Nintendo having the IP that they have, the strength of it that it has, and a lot of their brands w- could work as rides. The yeah, F-Zero absolutely. ride, the Mario Kart ride, yep. the the Magic <laughs> Kingdom is easily the Mushroom Kingdom to an extent, yep. but, but, and uh, like part of me was like just tearing this all apart in my mind as I'm going between <laughs> rides and talking to friends. And then I went to a stage show that they did called, uh, oh man, it's not Pragma. Uh, what, what's the name of it? It, it? it was basically this this music lights show. Like it was very well done, very well produced. And that was the one place where Nintendo IP didn't fit. Like you see Mickey Mouse at the start and he's like, da- like dancing to music. And every time he lifts a hand, uh, firework gets shot out. Yeah. You couldn't switch him for Mario, and that would work. In my but he mind, shoots a fireball. To, no, it it just it it didn't feel right to me. Everything yeah. else about amusement rides with Nintendo branded to them or in a park around Nintendo felt right until that very moment. What about those cat puppet shows they did in Japan? <laughs> that totally totally works. I, I have a really funny. First of all, there was a Nintendo Land game, and we all know how that turned out, which was. Kind of here nor there. No, but um, toss that out of the equation. Look at the brands themselves. Forget the Nintendo Land part. I don't know if I told this story on the show, but I had this very specific moment that kind of shaped my creativity at IGN. It was a few years ago. I was working on. I did a lot of like visual features, and I was working on this thing called. Uh, it was called Nintendo Theme Park, and we actually started comping out what that would look like and photoshopping them. And we had mm-hmm. this thing that I built in Photoshop called the Triforce Ferris Wheel. And the more I stared at it, the more I was like, this just doesn't work. And I remember Tal Blevins, who's the <laughs> VP here, came over to me and was just like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm working on this feature called Nintendo Theme Park, and it doesn't work. And he was like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I think I'm going to walk away from it. And he was like, it's better to walk away from something you've worked on for a long time than to commit to a failure all the way through and uh-huh. then put it live on the site. And it became this sort of anecdote for my creativity where I know now when something's failing and to leave. And then a few years later, they made Nintendo Land. And I was like, damn it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's... but the, idea is still good. I right? think it could work. I think, yeah. it, I think it totally can. And like, yeah. if you think about like Star Fox and like, yeah, I mean, the, the Lu- parallel to it yeah. is perfect haunted house. Yeah. It yeah. is Disneyland. Nintendo is the Disney of video game companies. There's no way around it. The ve- the variation of like all these things that especially now match up what Disney has with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yep. That's that's Nintendo right yeah. there, right? Like with the racing, the cars, and all that. It's it's crazy. It's a really good parallel, I think. Um, 
with respect to shows, I think you could pull off a show, certainly with like a Legend of Zelda theme or something. Oh yeah, like the Indiana like Jones show. That you Star Fox would look heroes. a little creepy. Like I'm scared of those the the I, strange animals sure, anyway. Sure. But like I, when I lived in Japan, I went to there was a Star Wars live stage show. It was horrible. Like they had a giant freaking life-size Millennium Falcon at the end. And it was like constructed from like blow-up parts and stuff. And like you're sitting there and you're like, you're kind of sad. Like you're yeah. like, that's not what it looks like. You <laughs> but know? I, I think the reason that but in it my mind – it di- Yeah, but it, the reason in my mind it didn't work is because when I watched – Like when I grew up watching Disney movies, like mm-hmm. dancing and singing and all of that was very inherent to what Disney is. You look at Nintendo games, that is completely absent. It's not about dancing princesses in a ballroom with the beast or something like that. Like when you have that sort of angle on the performance, I feel like that that's why that stage show works so well. There are moments in there where it's all super cool. Maybe that's the biggest part where it diverges. It and does they have absolutely. interactive attractions. So, or, or you change it. I mean, like yeah. you can do like the shadow puppet style or like more practical stuff where you represent like, you know, you project a you project a pixelated Mario onto a screen and yeah. like you mix them into the world. I think there's a lot ima- that can be yeah. done with tech too. And imagine getting on a ride and the minute it starts here, oh, 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 oh. Like you're just like, yes, this is what I want. This is it. You know? Sitar um, music playing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I went on, there was this Toy Story ride where it was an interactive game that you're like uh, basically using a little turret mm-hmm. to shoot at targets. So I'm just like, Nintendo yeah. can make this game so much better. See, now sure. now I want the Wind Waker remix of It's a Small World where you're sitting on a boat and you're just driving by all these little cel-shaded villains. It's in my head. Forget it. Don't worry. <laughs> Very nice. Well, um, and, and uh, in Japan, they've experimented with some of this, but we haven't seen them commit to something bigger in the West. Yeah. I think there was like some experiments with Pokemon or uh, I was talking to a, a good friend of the show about it, and he, I just can't find the messages he specifically told me. We're like, yeah, they've actually tried some of these things, but it hasn't been something like a Disneyland. And, uh, and I'm not saying I would want to see Nintendo transfer, you know, all, dump a bunch of money into an amusement park, because there's got to be a huge amount of risk involved with that, which I don't know the business at all. But imagine Nintendo-Disneyland partnership, where yeah. there is a Mario Kart ride that you're on as some crazy, like, roller coaster. Or it could be like Radiator Springs, uh, although they wouldn't want it to be like anything else. But the this F- was... Uh, F-Zero would have to be the roller coaster. Oh, the man. Yeah, yeah. It would have to be. And oh, you, it's just all If perfect. it played the yeah. music, you have the Mute City, I'm done. The Mario Kart <laughs> one would be great if at one point a character cuts you off and drops a banana peel and it simulates you Spinning. doing... Spinning. Ah, wah, 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 wah. Like, that would be awesome. <laughs> and then Luigi drives by that looking at <laughs> You want a theme park where a little kids can simulate car crashes. Kind of. Well, that's what I they mean, do already, well, right? Universal cars. Studios had um, had a, yeah. a yeah. ride, like a stunt car ride, yeah. too, yeah. and it was yeah. really yeah. exciting. Like yeah, the way, tracker app, so, yeah. yeah, the way the Radiator Springs drive uh, ends up, it's really cool, because it's a cars-themed ride, and it has all these really cool animatronics of the cars-like characters. They come out, they say things to you, but then it, the so there's a car in front of you, and what you don't realize is you both get sent in two directions. You get a tire job, they get a paint job, you both come out to a racing strip, and there's a start in front of you. They count down, and you both <laughs> go. And I think it randomly picks which car wins, but that's still really cool. You stare yeah, at the other really. across from you, and there's a car full of people you don't know. And it's yeah. like, hey, what's going on? They're so good. It's really at, good. Yeah, Imagineers are so good at, at just evolving rides. I mean, Pirates is still amazing to me. Like, just the, the, the way Pirates of the Caribbean looks and the way they updated it. But then you get into Indiana Jones, and you're like, wait, I remember this differently. It's because they have multi-paths now, and, like, yeah. slightly different things happen. Star Tours got updated. It's really cool to see how they innovate. That is cool that. about the yeah. Indiana Jones ride. Because yeah. it, it it starts and ends the same way, but there's there's different rooms. You can really actually cool. see different rooms at uh, different times you yeah. ride. I kind of want to I want a Pikmin one now. Wow. Like what it's just what like every, well, it just everything is gigantic, and there's giant oh, monsters nice. trying to attack. Oh, I like it. I mean, I, I, like I, I think you'd have to get away from 
your app, your Olimar and you're throwing Pikmin at everything. Yeah, or maybe yeah. you do and there's a sort of simulated cannon that you have that shoots them. But I think going by and seeing like a bunch of tiny animatronic Pikmin lifting up a giant strawberry was just, you know, that's it's, a good way to spend an afternoon. So what kind of Pikmin are you? Fountain water Me? Yeah. I'm definitely yeah. the, the purple one. You're purple Wait, Pikmin? Say, <laughs> say that one again, Krupa. Um, Zora Fountain Water Park. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. Also, in fountain. Luigi's Mansion, does everyone get a Hoover? No. Uh, they get a vacuum cleaner. That would be Hoover awesome. invented vacuums, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Was it yeah. Kirby or Hoover? It was one of the it's two, one, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, in the UK, you but guys yeah, you call do, vacuum cleaners. You do that ride right, just like the haunted house ride at Disney, which is yeah. like there's holographic ghosts everywhere. Yeah, but maybe you get a vacuum cleaner a... and you got to turn around. Yeah. <laughs> I hope yeah. this wasn't a silly topic, but this was turning no, it's over a great idea. I love this. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, and this is the IP yeah. experiment I want. And I th- yeah, I really think the toughest one is Mario. Like, what kind of ride is that? Like, that... That is, and is it a 3D platformer? <laughs> like, what is yeah. that? Does that just work? People really tired. A card just jumping in the air. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot. There's I a want lot one. There. Give me that. Give me that amusement park. All yeah. right, make it. You had one more thing to say before I was he just had made that say, point. Like, you know, TV shows, Amiibo. These are the seeds that eventually will lead to a theme park if it's going to happen. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. I like that point. All right, cool. So, uh, you uh, since we have to dedicate at least. Two minutes to something Amiibo Amiibo on voice show. chat. Did uh, you guys get any new ones, by the way? Uh, I did. I did. I got Sonic, Mega Man, and... Uh, you got Shulk. Sonic and Mega Man already? Oh, yeah. Krupa, are you Mega collecting Man. Amiibo? Or I see <laughs> I, you I edging one. away from the mic. I own Which one? one? Um, get? Link. I wow. bought my girlfriend two for Christmas. Um, so you can tell what you which. get her? Put that which one on eBay? Which one more? This, uh, <laughs> this feels like the, uh, the scene at the beginning of... Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where the British school teacher is talking to everybody and he's trying to do a math problem and he's like say I bought a hundred candy bars and he's like Charlie how many did you get and he's like one (laughs) one I can't do multiplication with one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Poor poor Krupa. I have have Link. You don't care much for him, yeah? What, sorry? You don't care that much for him? I just... I buy a lot of stuff that gotcha. I don't yeah. really need, so I just don't want to go down a very slippery slope. I've yep. seen it your is, Twitter I, yeah. feed. Yeah. It is I, a slippery I, slope. Mm-hmm. I just fell into Shulk, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah I got on that slope. Well. Yeah. Shulk actually, like, you can see the difference between the the characters now. If you compare like Marth and Link's faces with Shulk's, it's huge difference. Oh, he looks no, the great. New, yeah, the new ones. Sure. DDD is so is like weighs as yeah, much as the me. The quality mm-hmm. is getting much better. Day to day was really good. Um, yeah. Chic, not so hot. Honestly, former former NVC host. Craig Harris, shout out to Craig, was talking about how he got the DDD one and it looked it it felt like it was going to tear the packaging off the wall. <laughs> yeah. It was so yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, true. So I got, true. I got so uh, fat as a fat amoeba. We yeah. got, I mean, in the US, it's still it's it's different in the UK where maybe that artificial kind of scarcity um, is not yeah. getting people to so riled up. Village mm-hmm. is hard to get. There's a few that are you know sold out. And, but here, like Rosalina, is really hard to yeah. get, or you know um, any of the uh, the exclusive ones like Shulk, like Rosalina. This this guy from uh, from Australia, uh, from Maxi Geek, the website, Luke Henderson, was so kind to actually send us a Rosalina here, yeah. um, which is awesome. Thank you so much. Check out that website. But, like, this is really interesting. I, I have, um, for the, the folks who are only listening to, to this, I have a custom Marth here. So check it out, guys. So um, this guy, Toby Thornton in the, in the UK, actually, he runs a, um, a studio called Artmaster where he paints uh, war, like classic war miniatures. That's his job. Like he basically turned his hobby into a job. Wow. And he's starting to customize some of these Amiibos just out of fun. You know, yeah. it's not a business. He, if you want to look it up, some it's of the really pictures nice. on uh, Amiibo Workshop on Facebook, just yeah, look at it. Or go to the NVC Facebook, uh, Facebook group. He's a member there. So he paints the characters. He buys the characters. But what he does is he, he 
also removes pieces. So like Link has oh, the okay. ugly stand, so yeah. he saws yeah. off the stand, fills in the gaps, and makes it so as 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 if there was no stand, like yeah. with Captain yeah. Falcon and, as well. And one thing I will say about the paint job that I especially uh, noted right away is a lot of this detail is actually already on this figure, but he does a much better job of accentuating it yeah. and making it look yeah, like it stands out. It's shading and stuff yeah. like that. But I really do like, I mean, again, you can't see it at home right now, but look these up. But he adds actual sort of physical elements to the bottoms of them. Yeah, to the just base things. Yeah. But on the basis, he added this uh, sort of fake sand and rocks and some grass. grass. So it looks yeah. like... Mark's not just standing on a gold yeah, coin. It's, it's slightly a nativity scene, uh, like flooring, but it's, it still comes across as a lot better than the Smash coin. Well, it's classic miniatures. Yeah. If you play any yeah. of the war games or you know yeah. Warhammer, all that, you know, a lot of the painters do this yeah. kind of cool custom I, stuff I, to the stands. Yeah, yeah. I still think like Disney Infinity or even Skylanders, and we talked about this before. The yeah. base being sort of a, its own mold is really cool. Yeah. But this is an interesting alternative. He I uses, yeah, that. he uses these static fibers that he drops onto like these this glue to make it stand up mm-hmm. like that. It's really Really interesting. Now I, I, no now idea I want a whole existed. set of these. Yeah, so he, you know, I, I don't know if he's doing this as a business. But I think he's just doing it for fun. Um, but thank you so much, um, yeah, no. Toby, for sending us one. We're going to put it into our cabinet with all yeah. the, the other Absolutely. Uh, good Amiibos. Make, the, and make the mark in there look bad. Yeah, yeah and exactly. some of the, the community around Amiibo, what I find interesting outside of the people who can't stop talking about collecting them, like this show, uh, the customizable ones are actually really good. Because you've seen variants, like someone will paint like a Metal Mario, or this morning, Did Andrew you see Goldfarb, the one? Uh, I haven't seen that. Uh, Someone turned a Kirby in a bo- into a Bobom. It's perfect. No, it looks I, so good. Did you see the Cranky Kong? No, made no, from, I haven't seen that one either. What? I think he was made from Donkey Kong. So yeah. former uh, IGN editor Andrew Gobarv tweeted one this morning that was uh, Rosalina, but she yeah. was like nightmarish. Oh, the zombie Rosalina. Yeah, she, yeah, so yeah, she yeah. killed Mario, and yeah. it, the, the Mario amiibo's head is like as part of the base. Like um, yeah, did you hear bloody. what the, the? They have a, a very unfortunate name for that line that he's working on, and it's emo. Em, Amiibola. Oh, that's terrible. It's really bad. Oh, it's, no. it's really bad. I don't support that name. I do support uh-huh. the artwork he's doing because it's cool, but yeah, the, yeah, you need a new title, buddy. Th- there's a lot. I mean, I think Kirby is going to be a favorite for customization because it's just a giant circle, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there are people who have changed this facial expression to do the like the sucking face, like where he's like, you know, yeah. like breathing in something. Yeah. You can do a lot with that one, yeah. whereas the others are a little harder. Yeah. So if you listen to the program and you're customizing Vivo, why don't you send us some photos? Email nvc at ign.com. Yep. Uh, we'd be really curious to see what you've been doing with them. I know the ones that we have seen we've been really impressed with, so we definitely would love to see more. Cool. And that's our show this week, guys. It's in the books. When are you flying back? Are you heading out? Um, I'm going home later today. I came in to do this. Okay. And you can find more uh, of the wonderful Daniel Krupa on a couple of shows. So you're on the Superhero Show. Rebel Base. Rebel Base. IGN UK Podcast. All right. Every other week or so. Yeah. Yep, so definitely check those out, especially Rebel Base. I absolutely love Thank that you. show. Thank yes, you, mate. very, very Thank nice. You. And go yeah, check I'm sure, out much. I'm check sure out the Monster some... Hunter article he did too. That's right. <laughs> yep. they, I'm sure there's some Duck Hunters listening to this, this podcast hunt. as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, that's our show this week. Uh, please keep in mind you can always support MVC by giving us feedback. Let us know at MVC at IGN.com what you think of the show. We're a weekly show on IGN, but we also can always use emails telling us how we're doing and what's going on. Also, rate the show on iTunes. That's the place where we would love to hear what you think. Lastly, going around the room, you can find Brian Altano at... Agent Bizzle. On Twitter, you can find Daniel Krupa at... At Krupa. You can find Per Schneider at... Per IGN. You can find myself... Jose underscore Otero on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.